You're not gonna get mine. Yeah, that time it was. I don't see where you're gonna go with it. You like started it. I know because I was like looking at you. I was like, oh, he's gonna definitely jump on. I was dancing. People couldn't see it. It was a good beat. It was Thanks. a solid beat. It was. Uh, yay! Welcome to Fatting My Yum. Hey, Jerry. Hi, Will. Um, I'm excited you were here for this interview. Nobody would know because your mic was <laughs> on. Well, I, I got I got the snifflies uh, and a little bit of the sneezies. So, you know. It was nice just having your moral support. Yeah, for sure. For um, sure. But we had a friend on named Kalani who talks about sex work, mm-hmm. which is so exciting. Um, I've been wanting to have more sex workers on. And so we talked specifically about stripping and non-sexual escorting. Uh, and it was great. It and was so great. fun. Uh, and she's lovely. And yeah. she's going to stay anonymous just because. Yeah. But. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was a really interesting interview. I think it was one of those things that, like, sometimes we have people on that obviously talk more about the journey. Uh, this was one where we talked about that a lot, too, but also the specifics the of profession. a world we just didn't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and it's interesting. I saw Hustlers, and we talk about it a little bit. And so I don't know that much about the world. But, you know, she commented that from her experience, some of it was very accurate, and then some of it was very dramatized. But it is a fascinating world. It is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, as we've already kind of talked about my experience with hustlers, so uh, <laughs> <Yeah>, you just <laughs> you know. saw Jojo and right, right, ran right. for the hills with your right. mom. I said no, run away. <laughs> Get out. I have a podcast, but no, not this. <laughs> Um, cool. Yeah. So before we got get into the interview, yes. I, there's something in the news that I wanted to bring up. We're so topical. That made me think of you. Um, and so <laughs> uh, recently, I'm not sure when this is going to release, but within the past month at least, yeah. uh, Ernst & Young, a consulting company, uh, got in trouble for some very regressive uh, training policies um, uh, for their young women executives or young women con- uh, consultants. Um, and so... There was like a leaked document that came out and a lot of it was like these training stuff about like be careful with how you interact with men in the office because if you talk to them face to face, they're going to be intimidated. That's a quote, by the way. Yeah. One of the PowerPoints. No, it's true. And there's like stuff on like how to dress so you don't, you're not too provocative and all this stuff. Like, okay, if this came out of the 1950s, we'd be like, oh my God, I can't believe how awful it was back right. then. And this was but from it, 2018. Doing it now. Yes. Yeah. And so, but there was one particular thing in there <laughs> that is made, why we're bringing this up now. Um, and it is the idea that women have pancake brains and men have waffle brains. I know that they put this on a thing, which is so funny because we have talked about this <laughs> on I, here. Yeah. And I joke about it a lot because it is more my experience of like how I perceive things and how I perceive men perceive things. But if some dickhead in a work environment told me I had a fucking pancake brain, I would chop his dick off. Like, listen, you can't focus. (laughs) Yeah. Because of this. Yeah. Whereas men, we got waffle brains. We got waffle brains and we just, the little pockets put the syrup very cleanly. And yeah, I mean, it's funny because I do think like, I also think, culturally men are taught more to like put things aside and like focus on like one thing at a time whereas like I I think women were taught to balance and juggle a million things at one time and sort of and so maybe that's where it's like coming from a little bit but or at least that's sort of my experience. Right. And so within the context of Ernst & Young, obviously, it's like, that's not an okay philosophy Absolutely to take into the not. I'm not justifying him. I was just right. saying, like, it's funny that he used the exact verbiage. I know. Uh, <laughs> but I think that there's something to it, too, where yeah. it's like, you know, I, I do think there's a multitask capability that women have that men don't have as much. And so, like, yeah. I you know, in the context that of the corporate taught, environment. That we're supposed to have. But, like, I think Mythbusters even did a thing where, like, Nobody can really multitask. You just do a true? lot of I things like pretty that. poorly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I can do a lot of things, but yeah, you're not at your top because you're always thinking about something else, right. which is a plague of today, too. Of Like, we're always thinking about our phone or our email or, you know, whatever. But. And I also wonder if it's one of those self-fulfilling prophecies, too, where it's Absolutely. like, because I've been told I can focus, I'm better at focusing, yeah. um, which I'm not very good at anyways. <laughs> so, you know, I don't have a pancake or a waffle brain. You I have a, a, a waffle pancake? I'm going to go muffin. A waffle cake well that works I'm too muffin. a waffle cake <laughs> that sounds dirty a crepe yeah a you crepe have a bread. crepe yeah put lots of stuff in it a savory it one or a sweet one um i would say uh i'm gonna say sweet <laughs> that took a lot of thought yeah yeah well i tried to put some decent thought into it and i couldn't come up with an answer so i was sweet to keep the uh energy going <laughs> 
So on that note, he'll come back. He'll come back episode. with your your crepe choice. Yay! Well, enjoy this episode with Kilani. I'm feeling yummy head to toe. You see me. Hey, uh, welcome to Finding My Yum. We have Kehlani here today. Thank you for being here. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, you're welcome. I was Thank waiting you for you for... to say more. Oh, yeah, I know. That was a little bit bizarre. I was just like, was standing on a cliff. Um, we're here to talk about, um, we have another sex worker um, that's in a different capacity than we've had before. We had a dominatrix on before. And today we're going to talk about stripping and non-sexual escorting, which is mm-hmm. super exciting. Um, I've been wanting to have more sex workers on to sort of celebrate uh, just the profession and like encountering in that job and, and utilizing your body because you want to in the way that you want to and that that's amazing. Um, so I'd love to jump in a little bit about like where when you started and like what was the choice to to do that profession um because i think you said you did it for four years yeah yeah i was yeah. in it for a while and uh the choice to do it really came so i i was a pole dancer before um you know just in like the athletic sense yeah and which um, it's so difficult it's so challenging oh my gosh it takes a lot of muscle it takes so much muscle (laughs) and you need to like not be wearing that much clothing so your your skin can stick oh yeah and then it just is like these rug burns or all over your body it's fun it's really (laughs) fun but it's so difficult People don't get it like give enough credit for like how challenging the art form is. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, and it was funny because I was teaching pole as well and one of the others. So I um I was seeing this guy who is not a very good guy. Mm-hmm. I know we had talked about this a little bit earlier. Yeah. Um, but you know, I was just in that mindset of like, oh, I have to see him whenever I can see him, otherwise I'll never see him. So I was like speeding. Oh, it's not the best feeling. Oh God, I think I get off on that feeling. I, I think like I, I, do I find too. people that where I'm like, oh, yeah. I never feel settled and yeah. this is normal and I just need to like feel stressed out and (laughs) dramatic all the time oh yeah but like I was out in the country just like at a friend's like pool party and he texted me and he's like hey I'm available and I'm like I gotta go I gotta go right now and like I was going like I think it was like 90 or 95 in like this like back roads like 50 mile an hour zone of course I get pulled over um that ticket was like 600 dollars (laughs) so so I was talking to one of my fellow teachers about this and she was just like oh you know I do amateur night at the local strip club and you just bring a bunch of people and they throw money at you and like the pot was like $300 and I'm like cool I do this twice and then I'm like that ticket's paid off I don't have to worry about it what ever is the again pot? what does the pot mean so um the strip club would put in their own money along oh. with whatever tips you made on stage oh cool yeah, yeah. and she was very much because I had it like I don't know I don't know if it's like shame, if shame is the right word, but I was very conservative in terms of like who sees my naked body. Sure. You know, and she was just like, oh, you don't have to take off any clothes. Like, just make sure you're like the best one there. And I'm like, cool, I got this. Oh, interesting. Okay. And one of somebody else, because at the time I was in the kink community um, pretty heavily as well. And somebody else was like, no, if you bring two people, then one of you is probably going to win. And then you can just split the pot. And I'm like, great. That's a good idea, too. Like raises my chances of like making money so I can pay this ticket down interesting and um and so that was the deal and is I was that, like well if do I do you this know a couple that's times typical that a strip club will pay you like a flat rate and then you get tips on top of it no that's not how it works in like when you're an actual stripper but okay. it did work it does work that way like when you're there for amateur night got it so it's just like people off the street come in and you know it's the girls who are like I think I be a stripper and like let me do this and it's like the safe way to like kind of try Try out being a stripper okay um but my girlfriend who I did this with like she's super cute and tiny and like she was a model and everything and like you know she won the both times that we went and like we split the pot but all of the like strippers and the management there was just like you're so great you're so cute like come be a stripper and um and that like being objectified by people is kind of like one of her kinks so she was like yeah I'm gonna do it and I was like oh I don't really and she you know she was just like do it with me and I was like I don't think this is something I really want to do because I don't know how I feel about like getting naked in front of people yeah 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 Yeah, and was um, this a full nude club or was this a just a titty bar this one was a titty bar okay yeah so it was topless only and there's actually a lot of rules right was there alcohol at this one I I don't remember. Interesting. Honestly, like I've done like most of the clubs that like so I worked at two different clubs and both of them have been in like relatively small ish towns. Um, And then I did a trip to Vegas with this same girl. 
Cool. That was that was a thing. Vegas, you have to be registered, though. Yes. Right. But a lot of girls will go like. Like a lot of girls will go and like register themselves because you can do it in like a day. It really doesn't take that much time. Do you have um, to use your real name? Yeah, they take your ID and everything like you're in a, you know, in a file. It's like get a, it's like going for a job or like a business. It's a business license, essentially. OK. Um, so you go you get your business license or your entertainer license or whatever it is out there. And then you go audition at all of the strip clubs. And like just because it is such a big hub for that. Um, they generally hire everybody. I definitely saw things and maybe it was just because I was with this, with this other girl that they weren't as picky. But like, if you're like, like, I'm not a big girl, but I'm like definitely a more curvy girl. And if they don't like the way you look, they might still hire you, but they'll like put you on like the dead shifts instead of like, you know, the busier shifts. Um, but we all like we we kind of had this deal where we wouldn't really work at clubs um, unless we were working together. So, oh, OK. Yeah. So it, it kind of like would go out. on stage together. As no. Well? OK. No. We would just like make sure that we were both hired in Vegas. Got it. Yeah. Because in we were Vegas, only there for, like, I was a week. interested like when the one strip club that I went to, everybody, all of the women were stunning. Yeah. Like it was insane. Yeah. And there were a lot of dual performances. Oh, interesting. Which I thought okay. was really interesting. Like they worked together. Yeah. Which I hadn't seen before. I did a couple shifts at one of the bigger clubs. What was it called? Sapphire. OK. Out in Vegas. And the way that they do it there it's like there's like one or two maybe three different stages where you start on like the top stage and then like there's a girl on the bottom stage and then when you're done with like one or two songs you walk down the stairs and you take over the bottom stage and there's another girl that comes on the top stage and then the girl on the bottom stage has to go to like the bar stage it's oh, like it's a like a rotation thing. yeah oh that's yeah cool but I mean like there's a lot of if you like I wasn't really a Vegas girl because I'm pretty like, I feel like I'm, like, girl next door, you know, and they're Got looking it. for something that's, like, a little bit more glamorous, a little bit yeah. more, sex like, model Yeah, it's like a sex pot. Yeah. Um, so I did, like, okay there, but I definitely made, like, $700 in one night. Because you, you go into the champagne rooms, or you even just, like, giving private lap dances, it's, like, I think it's, like, $100 for three songs if you're just in, like, the lap dance room. Okay. And then if you go into any of the private rooms, which the private rooms in Vegas are super funny because they're, like, literally, they look like beds, but they're not comfy. They're just like chair material, but it, it looks like a bed right. with like fake like pillows on it. Yeah, no, it, it absolutely is. And then you can do, you know, whatever dance talk. Um, and those are like $300 for like 30 minutes. And then if you go into like the higher tiered rooms, like the actual champagne rooms, it's like $600 an hour per girl. So if you want to have more than one girl in there, it's like $600 for each right. girl for the hour plus at least one bottle of champagne, sometimes two depending on the club that you're in. And then how much money of that do you get? I can't remember in Vegas what it was. A lot so at any club you're supposed to tip out your bartender, your bouncer, um your managers, like it's a lot of it is based on the tipping system. In the clubs that I worked in regularly, you paid a portion of your dances. So whenever you were in the back giving a lap dance, it was like the club took like, I want to say it was like 20% or something. Okay. I don't remember exactly. but And there's definitely like a stage fee as well. So Oh, so when you get stage time, you have to pay a fee? So whenever you work a shift, you have to pay a fee. Oh, I see. I so see. you're definitely, and I, I think this has actually changed because I was stripping, I want to say it was like 2010 to like right towards the end of like 2013, mm-hmm. beginning of 2014. Okay. Um, it was right. I stopped right before I moved to LA and I've been here for about five years. So. Okay. So um, where was this? I stripped in Fresno and I stripped in Santa Maria. Okay. So not Santa Maria is a super small town, but you have like all the coastal towns that come. So like the club is really popular. Interesting. Even though the city itself is Is there like one big. club there then? Yeah. Or is it, okay. Yeah. There's just one club. It's a Spearmint Rhino actually, which is really Oh, funny. that's yeah. where I went in um, Vegas. Oh, yeah. 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 Rhino, Rhino. The Rhino wants... In Vegas and, and in L.A., actually, they want, like, your super skinny girls with the tack on boobs. Oh, my so God. Like, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, the boobs were oh, amazing. Yeah. yeah. And, like, <laughs> all over everybody's faces. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It was incredible, actually. Yeah. yeah. Well, a lot of them could stand up as well. Oh, like, right. they were stunning. But I was yeah. like, those are so You're like, big. Yeah. Your back was hurt. Yeah. Uh, well, and it's funny, too, because, like, even in L.A., because when I first moved out to L.A., like when I when I moved down to L.A., I was like, OK, I'm done. I quit because um, there's a you know, it's a job. So there's a lot of things yeah. that are not. And and I feel like 
there's a lot of things that are not great about like any job, but like the, yes. the stakes are higher when you're in a strip club. Yes. Lots of money, also lots of shit. Yeah. Um, but when I came out to LA, I was having trouble finding a job. So I was like, okay, maybe I'll go back to stripping. So I went to like jumbos and I actually went to, at the time I was living in the Valley. So I went to some of the strip clubs in the Valley and like, there's definitely a look for each part of LA because when, <laughs> when I auditioned in the Valley I went to the Deja Vu in North Hollywood oh yeah I've yeah. been to the one in Hollywood that's okay. full nude yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah and the rhino that I worked at in Santa Maria was full nude as well oh okay and um the the bouncers at the Deja in North Hollywood they were like maybe you should try downtown oh. and I'm like I don't even know what that means <laughs> but like okay that's so interesting yeah I never did because I didn't want to drive that far yeah but <laughs> Yeah, I, I, did get, I did get hired on at Star Garden, but at the time I was just like, I was really into yoga and I was just like, so I did some yoga before I was supposed to work my first sh- first shift at Star Garden. And it's like, no, I'm done. Like, yeah, I can't like, go. I just can't go back. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. OK, so I'd like to go back to. So you do the amateur night mm-hmm. and then your friend comes with you and, and she wins. The, you guys split the pot. Mm-hmm. Right. And then. So after that, what was the choice? Because you were like, I don't know if I really want to do it. And then she was all gung ho. And so what was like that sort of evolution into like, OK, yes, this is what I'm going to do. And now I'm doing it. Yeah. So we did we did amateur night twice. And on the second time, she was like, I'm really going to do this. Like, I think I you know, this is something that I'm going to love. And I mean, we don't really talk anymore, so she might even still be stripping because it almost was like she was trying to make a career out of it Um, once we get once we got started because she did like that objectification. Yeah. Um, And like I kind of went back and forth because I was like, I really need to pay off this ticket. Like it's still not paid off yet. And I had recently quit a doctoral program. And like, I mean, it had been like probably like a year since I had quit a year or two since I had quit. And I like wanted to go back to acting school and I had gotten accepted into a conservatory and it, but I still had to pay off my student loans for my other education. And at this right. point, they were so big. I was like, I can't be in school because because um, you're in entertainment, right? Yeah. 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 So I'm sure, you know, like acting school, like they really don't want you to do anything yeah, else. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, well, how am I supposed I to do this? I have like thousands of dollars that I have to pay to my student loans every month. So it was kind of that choice of like, OK, even if I only make like 100 or 200 dollars a night at the strip club, it's going to be more than I make at like a, a retail job or something. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And my so my thought was like, well, maybe I'll like strip for the summer. And then when I'm ready to like go off to school, then I'll have enough money to like at least support myself for a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So that was kind of that was kind of how it started. Mm-hmm. Um. It was interesting, though, because <laughs> my first shift on stage, it was a Tuesday. And on Tuesdays, it was like three for one Tuesdays. So three for one yeah <laughs> that's quite a deal <laughs> I think Damn. I think there was some lap dance special I can't remember it's been so many years um but I think there was some lap dance special and also or maybe it was like two for Tuesdays so normally at the club you're on stage for two songs and the songs are always cut short right. anyways so it's not like you're really up there for like super long yeah but on Tuesdays you had to dance for four songs oh. instead of two and it was just like it was a long time. And again, like they were cut short. So you were really only up there for like the length of like two songs. Right. So maybe like six minutes or something Which like five or six like minutes. A long time. But it felt like forever. Yeah. And and I had this thing where like and it's not even like I don't necessarily want to call like like say I was like ashamed of my body necessarily. Yeah. But I was always like, well, I mean, I like my body, but I don't know if anybody else likes my body. So I don't necessarily want to inflict something on someone if they don't like it sure yeah. okay so so when I first started it was a Tuesday and I was up there for what felt like forever yeah. and I was so awkward because I'm just kind of klutzy and kind of weird and like <laughs> sure and I mean like I had pull stuff but I also um I think this was also at the same time but I have really bad psoriasis okay and at the time it was over like 75 percent of my body and like you use makeup and stuff to cover that and like um my boyfriend at the time his like cousin's baby mama was also a stripper at that club so she kind of took me under her wing and was like no you use stockings to cover this stuff and you know you do this and you do that but like wearing stockings I can't pull like I can't do all of the things oh, on the right, pole that it, I yeah, could do yeah because I'm covered yeah, yeah, yeah. um 
So like after I was done with my first stage dance, I like went in the back and I just cried. Oh. I was back there for like two hours. I didn't cry for the whole two hours, but like they had sure. this particular club had like a house mom. Um, and she was in the back just talking to me and she's like, you know, it's not for everyone. It's totally okay if you want to quit and go home. And I was like, I don't know. I need money. Like, you know, like. Did this you make like, money off of the first dance? I don't remember. There might have been some. But yeah. it, and it's just like there's always like like people are always intrigued by new people like the new girls. So like sure. there was some money. But then like my friend who I was doing it with, she came back and she was just like, what are you doing? Like, what's going on? She's like, there's people out there asking for you. And I'm like, that's weird. Like, sure. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So that was kind of the beginning of it. Was there an evolution then of like owning your body in a way of like, yeah, other people like I, I'm beautiful the way that I am and other people are seeing that and that there's like that kind of evolution through it like if you started from a place of I don't know and then all these people were like yeah we want to see you dance and to talk to you and and you know go to whatever room or whatever yeah um I don't it's funny too because like I've always been like sexualized like since I was like an adolescent Mm. and you know once I started going through puberty I've always been sexualized but I think it's totally different when you're like clothed and like people see you as an object when you're clothed and compared to like when people are looking at you and you're like totally naked or even just topless you know right um I mean at some point you just kind of get used to it and I am an entertainer so like being on stage and stuff isn't the thing but it was you know, you just kind of get used to being naked all the time. And you're just like, okay, whatever. And you learn that. And this is one of the things that I learned, especially when I moved up to Santa Maria and worked at the Rhino there, because they had all different sorts of girls. Yeah. And what you really end up learning, like whether whether that filters into your self-esteem, which it does in some way. I actually think, like I am of the strong belief that every girl should be a stripper for a little bit, at least once, yeah. as long as they can like stay grounded through the whole process. Yeah. Um. But what you learn is that there's something for everybody. Mm-hmm. So, like, not everyone's going to like you, and you just kind of have to be okay with that. Right. Yeah. I feel like fielding – so, I, I bartend. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually just started working at a hotel, and the clientele at hotels are very different yeah, than I've ever encountered before. There's, like, um, a different kind of desperation. And because they're not in their home city – there's a lot less filter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's interesting because there's a lot more to sort of play with there and yeah. sort of oh, in, yeah. in, in, indulge in like they want to have a conversation and it's like, cool, you know, I'm I'm personable and interested. But, but it is like this very interesting line. They're much more into boundary pushing. And I mm-hmm. feel like in a strip club, the boundaries get very oh, yeah. unclear. Yes. And so was that a journey of figuring out your boundaries and like learning how to draw really strong, strong boundaries? Like, cause I, I, I imagine that would be, that would be something that I would have a lot of issue with. Yeah, it definitely. And that, this is why I say that like every woman I think needs to do it at least once. Mm-hmm. Cause I learned so much from the experience, especially doing it for such a long time, because I mean, at the end of the day, it is just a job. And at the end of the yeah. day, really what it is, is it's sales. It's you're, oh my and you're God. just selling yeah. yourself, yeah. you know, and that was something else that I had to get over too, is because like goods and services, like I, I have no problem asking for like asking for help from friends or asking for like a thing, you know, or like a thing from a business or a thing from another, like a stranger or a person or whatever. Right. But asking for like hard cash, <laughs> I'm like, sure? this is weird. Like, yeah. I feel like you shouldn't just be giving me your hard earned money. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. It has to go filtered yeah, through like through the consumer <laughs> yeah. machine and then come back to me. Yeah. So that was something I had to get over too. But what I learned through stripping was like budgeting and boundaries and learning how to stick mm. up for myself because mm-hmm. like I obviously know and maybe I mean not everybody does but I know what my boundaries are and I don't like being touched by people I don't like being touched by strangers like I'm kind of a germaphobe so that's absolutely something that I had to get over as well yeah um but it was more about it was less about like figuring out what my boundaries were and more about enforcing those boundaries on other people absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and so I imagine there were so there were rules in mm-hmm. the strip club. So with, this was a full nude club. The Rhino was a full nude, and then the one that I worked at in Fresno was a topless club. And now that we're talking about it, I actually feel like there was a whole different. Well, there was definitely a a different clientele because um, in Fresno it was more like 
college kids and I guess like old white dudes. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And then when I worked in Santa Maria, because there's so much agriculture up there, it was a lot of um, we called them paisas, which I think is a derogatory term in Spanish, but like basically like the field workers. It was a lot of the like Mexican field workers who were coming in. Um, and a lot of them, especially at the beginning of the, of the day, because at the beginning of the day, it was like free entry for the first two hours or something. A lot okay. of them would just come in and just sit there, you know, cause it was free and there's pretty girls. Sure. Um, and then you'd also get, cause we were close to the military base. So you'd get mi- a lot of military guys, a lot of townies, and then like a lot of the field workers. Got it. So it was just kind of a different group yeah. to work with and, and, from what I hear, I've never stripped in Mexico, but from what I hear, if you go over the border to Tijuana, you can get anything done for like twenty five dollars. Sure. So a lot of them came in there with that mindset. I see. So you did have to learn like a lot of the guys were handsy. And and I think because it was all new to like the boundaries were a little less clear. Sure. Because um, I don't remember really encountering a whole lot of trouble or like guys who were handsy when I was at the topless only club. Okay. Um but definitely when I was at the nude club and I did work at the nude club longer so maybe it just didn't appear, you know, when I was sure. at the topless club, but when I was at the nude club there was so much touching and so much boundary pushing and like I would walk around with like a studded purse, like a studded wallet. Yeah. And I remember there was this one guy who just felt like he could do whatever. So I like at some point cuz he like tried to finger me or whatever, <gasps> I like turned around and just like whacked him with my yeah. like the studded side of my purse. Sure. But yeah, you absolutely learn how to take care of yourself cuz you have to. Was there a, a a shift then from doing a topless to full nude? Like what did did that affect you at all or was that like did that have any bearing or were you just like, "Ah, you know, this is the same thing essentially?" It was kind of, I actually funnily enough felt more comfortable in the all nude club than I did in the topless club because I feel like in the topless club it was definitely more about like your dancing skill okay than it was in in the nude club you're just like well I'm naked so right (laughs) take this or not yeah yeah yeah. okay like if you're just seeing titties I mean like everybody's seen titties you know and it's just like sure like I just feel like there was less skill involved with the nude club because you're looking at more like there's more to see interesting yeah okay and then okay so in terms of like going into the private rooms and like maintaining boundaries and stuff like that like were there great experiences that you had like I'd like to hear like a spectrum maybe of like experiences that you had in there or because they're all taped Mm -hmm. like there's video cameras that are watching not actually so the two clubs that I worked in like consistently so not including Vegas um they actually didn't have rooms so they oh, had like okay. a, an area oh and they, they were like area. benches or like okay. um really nice really nice couches essentially so like in the topless club I th- if I remember correctly in the topless club if you did a dance it was fully clothed so like you had to have everything covered okay and it was like you always had to have like one foot on the floor or something so we were just a bunch of like really comfy couches that people would um dance on and I think um if I remember correctly, like you shared, sometimes you shared the couches because they were big enough that you could sure, have like sure. two girls you can on have, there at yeah, the same multiple. time. Yeah. Um, and then in the nude club, you could do a, either a topless dance or a nude dance. And they were definitely a little bit more, I think there were rules. I don't remember what they were because they were way more like loosey goosey with the rules. Yeah. Um, no cameras. I don't think in either club in that area there made a might have been like one or two, but we had bouncers that would walk through. Okay, so it wasn't really necessary. Did you ever feel unsafe then? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. Well, because um, I don't remember. Just because I feel like in the topless club it was way more like like the clientele was more laid back so they weren't necessarily trying anything uh, crazy okay, and right. it was su- like it was a big club but it was like it was just such a community that you didn't really I just felt like you didn't really have to worry about anything because the girls like to I, I mean this is true in the other club too but in the nude club there were definitely more spats and things like most of the time in the topless club like the girls looked out for each other oh god and it. like you one guys of, were like working together yeah and like one of the veteran strippers like she had been doing it for 10 years at this club and she kind of took me under her wing so I was a little bit more protected oh that's nice um like but, a hustlers have you I seen know, hustlers? I have seen hustlers yeah. and it's 
there are definitely some things that are oh yeah that's totally real yeah and then like then you're there are other things where you're just like no that's super traumatized sure like, sure let's sure. not like glorify this right yeah absolutely um but in the new club as you're walking into the club oh, right. and spending thousands of dollars i i mean like i wish that and maybe it'd be different in new york because i definitely had a friend who stripped in boston and like she's just just this tiny like raver girl who's super nerdy and she was always like when she did she's like no I just sit with guys and talk about World of Warcraft naked and I'm like oh that'd be great but it's like it's East Coast is totally different from West Coast. Totally. It's funny because the the other uh, other women in my life that I know have stripped too, they say it's a lot, a big part of it too. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of like therapy and like listening, which is also a lot of bartending is like sort of just listening and holding space for people because they want to share. It's the same thing, basically, except, you know, you're naked. Yeah. Or in lingerie or whatever. Yeah. Um, but no, in the in the nude club, like the bouncers didn't really give a fuck. So like and then we definitely had girls in that nude club who were like turning tricks. OK, so which made our job easier for those of us who, or our job harder for those of us who didn't turn tricks. Yeah, that's what I was wondering is like if one person is OK with that mm-hmm. and would like to participate in that, th- then it makes it very unclear. Yeah. Yeah, the, I mean, the word gets out. Like, people know, especially because we did have so so many clients who would come in and kind of expect that because, that, you know, they're from Mexico. So in the strip clubs in Mexico, sure. you can get that. And and there were a lot of girls in that club. So, like, when I worked in Fresno at the Topless Club, most of the girls, funnily enough, they were all in nursing school, like, for the most part. Yeah. And they all were, like, single moms in nursing school. And they were, like, paying their way for school through school and, like, taking care of their children. Uh-huh. Um, but then in the nude club, we did have some single moms. We had some people. So, like, this is this was near, like, Cal Poly, um, San Luis Obispo. So, like, yeah. we had some girls who were in college. Um and we, we also had some, like, drug addicts and alcoholics. Got it. So, sure. I mean, like, especially, I think one girl was actually on meth, so she would do whatever so oh, she could get no. her meth money. Oh, it was yeah. it was really sad because yeah, she was actually, she was really nice when she wasn't on drugs. Yeah, of course. Um, she she actually, she's cool because she, like, taught me how to twerk. Oh, um, nice. I, was still, I was still pretty green, like, when I, when I moved up to Santa Maria because I think I was in Fresno stripping for maybe, like, six to eight months okay. before I moved out. And um, and so like I did learn a lot at that club and I feel like that's kind of really where I hit my stride because I was making like twelve hundred dollars a week. Nice. So, yeah. How many nights were you working? I was working uh, like two or three nights a week. Okay. I would work double. Wow. Shifts, so I'd work from like open to close. I think it was like from 4 p.m. to 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. on the weekends. Like okay. Fridays and Saturdays. I think How many dances three, would you do a night? A lot. Um, I'm trying to remember. I feel like one night I topped out at like almost 30 like lap dances, not like stage dances. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's then would you go out and seek people yes. then too? Okay. So that's where the sales comes in. Because right. you go, you sit on somebody's lap, you flirt with them, you know, and it, and that's really like kind of one of the more exhausting things. I guess it depends on who you are, but I always used to joke that this is like the best acting job that I'll ever have because sure. it actually pays. And like for <laughs> me. <laughs> God, isn't that so sad? I know. Oh, man. Um, But for me, and it pays a lot, though. That's the thing. But for me, it was more like, because so you have some girls who will just like be themselves, you know, and they'll just be like, whatever. Um, But for me, it was more about like, well, I'm going to be whatever you want me to be. So you're just constantly like switching and you're just this chameleon. Um, And in that area, it was a lot. It was nice when I like would talk to the military guys because they're actually pretty intelligent. Um, you could have like some pretty deep conversations with them, get sure. into philosophy. Uh, oh, that would like be that. my favorite thing. I mean, that is my favorite thing now yeah. at the at bar. I'll like we'll go deep into like oh, politics yeah. or religion or something. It's like so that. great, <laughs> and I've actually like like the general rule was like you don't go home with anyone from the club, or you like they're in the club and that's it. You keep them there, right? But there were a couple people, and one of them I'm actually still friends with. Oh, that's cool. There were a couple people that I did see outside of the club, but then like usually most of the people who were like from town, they were like stoners and like partiers so yeah. you just kind of had to put on this fake like oh yeah I like got drunk in my garage and got really high yesterday or whatever sure. like and that for me was super exhausting yeah it is really exhausting mm-hmm. sort of putting on a face mm-hmm. so in the time that you spent in the strip clubs like was there oscillation between like I don't know you know the stereotypical idea of sex work is that you know, you're forced to do these things. You're in unsafe, uncomfortable positions that are compromising. And I think the narrative is changing quite a bit. But I'm just curious if, like, 
because I know like for myself when I do things that aren't necessarily are taboo from the mm-hmm. outside mm-hmm. that I have to like really check in and be like how do I feel yeah. am I okay with this and if I am be like okay I don't have to subscribe to that narrative and mm-hmm. I don't have to live in the shame around like whatever people are projecting mm-hmm. but I I'm is was that sort of a journey for you or any kind of a struggle um or did that not really play in it's a, I don't I don't feel like it really played in. I mean, I was very careful about who I told because people will like, like they have these ideas, like these preconceived notions about what it means if you're a stripper or if you're a sex worker of some kind. I remember like, because I was in conservatory and it was, I'm pretty sure like everybody knew because I talked to the director of the program because if you wanted to work, you needed to get like special permission. And so I told him what was going on and he was like, yeah, that's totally cool. I have a lot of friends who are in the industry who were doing that while they like were working on their acting careers and what have you. So he's like, just don't let it as long as it doesn't interfere with your schoolwork. Like I'll make all these exceptions for you so you can be here because like the idea is that like you'll also be in a show on top of being in school for eight hours a day. Right. Absolutely. So he like I wasn't in shows my first year and like all of this, you know, whatever. They made a lot of concessions and I'm very grateful for it. Yeah. Um, But everybody knew like I wasn't quiet about it. And I remember like one of uh, one of my tech friends, like she was over one day and she was just like, oh, yeah, like 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 again, everybody knew. But she was just like, oh, yeah, like, well, it doesn't seem like you have any daddy issues or anything. So I guess you're fine. And I'm just like, that is the weirdest thing. It's the weirdest thing to say. I'm like, nobody hurt me. Like my dad and I had a fabulous relationship. Yeah, totally. Like that's just I'm like, I just need money. (laughs) Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is interesting that like it does feel like it usually gets enmeshed with mm-hmm. this like familial sort of yeah yeah well and it's whatever. like you know the the preconceived notion is that like strippers have like daddy issues and they're all yeah. alcoholics or drug addicts and I'm like well I mean some of them are but so are some regular humans too so it's just sure. kind of the same yeah thing you know like right like they're well I think if we take I mean especially in this country naked bodies are so like foreign and Mm -hmm. we're not supposed to see them Mm -hmm. and they're supposed to be like kept away so then we fetishize and then that's when it becomes this big deal right oh you're doing the thing that we're not we're only supposed to do in this corner we're not talk about it you know showing your naked body holy shit what's wrong with you there has to be something yeah yeah yeah, yeah, there's nothing wrong i actually like you know there were a lot of things that i loved about the job the money was definitely like the number one um i so there was one time, so when I was kind of finishing up my stripping career, I had gotten cast in a show down here in L.A. Because I graduated, I just graduated, I was thinking about moving down to L.A. So did a couple auditions here, got cast in a show. So kind of making the commute back and forth to the coast, which is like three-ish hours. Oh my God, that's yeah. a nightmare. Yeah, oh my God, it was crazy. But like in tech week, we had tech week like Monday through Thursday, Friday off, and then we opened on like a Saturday and I was staying with a good friend and I was like, I don't know if I should go back up to the coast and work or if I should try and find work down here. If I should just take like time off. I, I ended up going back to the coast and I'm so glad I did because I made like twenty five hundred dollars in that one night. Whoa. Yeah. Because you get these people like right. again, we we're talking about the therapy. You get these people. I think that guy at the t- well, I mean, he was really drunk and I absolutely took advantage of him. <laughs> um, <laughs> sure. But. He was like going to jail and getting divorced. And like, so I was just like, okay, well, if you're going to sit here and talk to me, like, you're going to give me money. Right. You have to pay and me so he for would my just time. Pull out the money, go to the ATM. And like, when you work at the Rhino, like, they have these like poker chips that you can buy that like translate to cash, but only in the club. Oh, okay. So, like, the more chips you can get them to buy, the more you're going to spend because you can't spend it anywhere right, else. So course. it was, it was fantastic. Yeah. But, you know, with the good, there's good with the bad and yeah. bad with the good and everything. So. It was when I left, it was definitely time to leave. Yeah. So, um, so what about the non-sexual escorting? How did you get into that? I don't I don't remember because I actually started doing that. That was like right around right after I graduated from college. Um, I don't know if a friend had suggested it to me. And this was before like networking groups on Facebook were a big thing because I know in a lot of the Facebook groups that I'm in, um, you know, people are like, how do I get into sex work? Or you can sell your panties online or whatever. Yeah. Um, or if it was just something that I thought about, because I'm like, I'm really good company. Like, I'm really effervescent and I love people. So I might sure. as well get ba- yeah, paid get for it. I might as well get paid for it. Totally. Um, so at the time, I think it was safer back then. Back then, And I was also like over on the East Coast, which again, like we talked about, is a different vibe. Yeah. I just put myself on Craigslist. I put an ad on oh, Craigslist. Yeah. Craigslist is so <laughs> interesting because Craigslist sounds terrifying it's, to oh, me. Yeah, like, absolutely. I am horrified. Like, yeah. I don't <laughs> think I would ever do that here in L.A. Like at all. Yeah. I 
I was in Rhode Island at the time. So it was like Rhode Island, Boston, like that area is where like my clients were coming from. But I don't, I, cause I think about this now and I'm like, would I ever do that in LA? And I'm like, I don't think I would cause there's yeah. too many like crazy people out here. Yeah. It's scary. Yeah. And, um, I charged $25 an hour and then they paid, they also paid for the date. And like when I finally told my friend that I was doing this, he was just like, you're undercharging. And I'm like, okay, well I've already yeah, set this rate. Yeah, that feels low so. to me too. Yeah. And yeah. it probably was. And I, I have done it a couple of times out here. Um, but I'm much more careful about like how I go about it, you know? Um, but it was a lot in of In terms of like vetting people. Yeah. I, I will definitely meet, like I don't. I didn't do this ever when I was out east, but like here I'll like go get coffee with them first and be like, oh. buy me a coffee. Like, let's see if this is, is a like fit. a match. Yeah. Interesting. And if it is, then we can, you know, set up this arrangement. Got it. Yeah. And was there a very specific conversation about this is non-sexual? Yes. <laughs> I don't actually know. I know like when I was putting, I think in, so on Craigslist, I definitely put like this is non-sexual. Got it. Um, and I don't, so there's a website called rentafriend.com and that's really where I've gotten all of my clients out here in LA. Rentafriend.com? Yes. I've never heard of that. So the idea is like someone's on a business trip or something and they just want someone to show them around the city. So I think like, I I don't actually have those conversations when I get clients through that site. Okay. Because they don't have, right. They don't have an expectation. Got it. Sometimes I think they do. I've, they all hope. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like we all are secretly hoping for like that fairy tale. Like this is right. going to be the person that's yeah. going to change yeah. everything. And you know. <laughs> that I paid for online. <laughs> yeah. Somehow, you know, you yeah. never know where you're yeah. going to meet your soulmate. <laughs> that well, And it's funny, though, because like I feel like I'm more like the strip club worked better for me just because I, I'm definitely like. Maybe not like the figurative translation of like a social butterfly. It's much easier for me to flip from person to person yeah. than it is for me to get in deep unless with I'm actually person. getting in deep with one person. So yeah. like every time I did this, if I started seeing someone, I would stop. Got it. Yeah. Um, and also like I, I do have really strong boundaries and especially so by the time I moved out to L.A. and the couple of guys that I did go out with here in the city um, I had established my strong boundaries and got really good at expressing them, you know, through stripping. Which and is just a like huge skill. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I have no boundaries. Just like <laughs> zero boundaries. Go be a stripper. You'll learn them very quickly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Seriously. I know. But, um, but there, so the girl that took me under her wing in my first trip club, she had all of these sugar daddies that as far as I know, she never slept with. Mm-hmm. At least like that's not something she talked to me about if she did. Yeah. And they were always older dudes and she was really proficient at, and she was like just this expert as like, at like setting her boundaries, but doing it in a very feminine way where they didn't feel. Yeah, kind and like, yeah. you know, respectful of them, but yeah. being like, this is, this is what I'll accept. Right. And you're going to love it. Right. Exactly. Because this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't, I don't have that skill. I'm just like, no, this is not okay and we're done like and yeah if you I'm not don't I don't like, have the finesse quite yeah either. yeah I'm, I, don't, I don't have that finesse I think like a lot, I'm very assertive but it's assertive in like a very masculine way sure. it's like yeah. they just like they're like done um so like usually my like those my escort clients they don't stick around long if they start to and they all do they all like do like they all start getting kind of weird like there was this one guy that I actually went on like quite a few dates with and he took me out and bought me a Michael Kors purse, but it was kind of one of those like, oh, if you like, because he asked me, and I'm like way too nice too sometimes, I think, because he was just like, it was like the Macy family and friends sale or something like that. And he's like, do you want me to buy it for you now? Or do you want to wait until the weekend so I can get this like 15% discount? And I'm like, oh no, it's fine. Like, let's just wait until the weekend. <laughs> Cause like, you know, I'm, I'm frugal and I like, right. you know, I don't want to waste other people's money either. Um, it's also an interesting question. Right. <laughs> It puts right. a lot of like pressure on you yeah. to like be like your money is valuable and mm-hmm. I respect you and your time. Right. And, well, is right. that what you want from me? Well, <laughs> and, and when I was out here, like my rate is seventy five dollars an hour, three hour minimum, plus you're paying for whatever we're doing. Amazing. You know? um, that sounds more yeah in line. Yeah. <laughs> and um, 
Yeah, and it, it was a weird question. But then, like, we were texting about, like, when we were going to meet up over the weekend. And he's like, oh, and you're going to, like, because I bought you this purse, you're going to take me out for sushi. And I'm like, that's bullshit. Like, it's a gift. Like, that's right. not how gifts work. Yeah. So, like, and then that's just kind of the attitude I put off in, like, tone and quality and everything. So, after that, it just got weird. And I was like, I'm done. And I'm pretty sure you're done, too. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It evolved yeah. in this way. Um, well, this has been so cool. Oh, you know what I was going to ask mm-hmm. uh, is, did you have relationships while you were stripping? I did. Yeah. Uh, one of them was with my abusive ex. So that was just weird. Okay. Um, he was actually like super okay with it because his kink was like watching his girl with other guys. Oh, okay. Um, sure. And I mean, he didn't think anything of it, but I definitely dated around and like nobody really had a, I, I never dated anyone who had a problem with it. Oh, they, that's interesting. Yeah. I think if they had a problem with it, we wouldn't have been dating anyway. Sure, of so, course. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've, I actually find that fascinating because I've had many men on this podcast now and I, men in general that I talk to and, like, there's such a core jealousy mm-hmm. aspect to, like, yeah. hetero men that's, like, this is my property. Mm-hmm. And even, like, the beautiful humans that I've talked to are, like, very respectful and they know about it. Like, it's still there. Oh, yeah. Of, like, this ego thing, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that you didn't encounter that or at least you weren't choosing people who made it a problem. Well, and I would never really talk about it, I don't sure. think. I mean, like... I, I definitely think if I had talked about because there was a lot of of assault that happened in the club. Like, yeah, I mean, obviously I say assault and like we all immediately, I think, go to violence. But it Mm -hmm. wasn't like violent. But there's people who are touching you or trying to touch you in inappropriate ways or ways that you don't want to be touched. Yeah. So like like uh, occasionally I would rant about that. But that's kind of like like it's so much of an occurrence that like one of the managers there and he wasn't. I mean, I'm sure he was a fine manager, but just in terms of like being like advocating for the girls, he wasn't the best at that. Yeah. But he was just like, well, you're in a strip club. Like, what do you expect? You know, so okay. I mean, that's kind of like the idea behind it. So, I, But I would never really get into like what I did at work. I'd just be like, oh, I made a lot of money today sometimes. But like, right. I didn't really talk about it with them. Yeah. So, yeah. That makes sense, I guess, yeah. like keeping it more separate right i don't talk about like the ins and outs of what happens when i work yeah. either <laughs> <laughs> you know mostly because it's boring but like yeah, yeah. well and it, it's funny because i actually asked my current partner i was like oh would you be okay if i went back to stripping because like it's always like you know now that i've been out of it for a number of years like the fantasy is always like oh the money and like the attention right. and everything but totally. then you're like remind yourself like oh also the assault and yeah. like the entitled guy like most of them are super entitled like women especially like they feel super entitled to your body which i think is so interesting that is very interesting yeah, yeah. huh um interesting <laughs> i guess because yeah that's fascinating because they're like, well, I have the same body, yeah. so I understand oh, yeah. what's going on. Like, we're we're buddies. Right, exactly. Yeah. They try and actually, the few women who come into the club, if they get, like, dances with you, sometimes they'll try and touch you more Weird. than, like, the guys. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. That is very bizarre. But, um, um. So would you go back? I don't know. I mean, I think about it. Like I said, I make the fantasy. I asked my current partner if he would be okay with that, and he... He said, I think so. He's like, I don't know how I'd feel about like the lap dances, but I think it would be OK. And I'm like, just knowing who he is and how he operates, I'm like, I think you think it'll be OK. But I think if I actually went back and did it, you probably wouldn't be OK because it's kind of that like jealousy yeah, thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it's a big thing of being like, I'm going to take my ego. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put it aside mm-hmm. and I'm going to understand that, you know, we have trust and yeah. communication and love and whatever. Yeah, and that, that's fine. But it's a lot. It's a bit. I mean, it's big. I don't yeah. know how I would feel. Yeah. Either. Well, and part of the reason I quit was because, so when I the the woman who took me under her wing, because I had trouble asking for cash and because I'm really nice, she was just like, no, you have to just look at them at dollar sign as dollar signs. Yeah. And I started doing that. Like once, like once I was like three or four years deep. Like I remember. So at the Rhino on like Sunday nights, it was um, you get a twenty five dollar voucher, or you get um. It's like a $15 cover and you get a $25 lap dance voucher because that's how much uh, topless lap dances were. And you get like a free drink or whatever. And so voucher nights are great because when you get vouchers, that's like cash for you as the dancer. Oh, okay. So that means you have to pay out less at the end of the night because you're just giving them these pieces of paper. And I remember one night the power went out around like nine o'clock and it was just like, okay, well, we'll wait for like 10 or 15 minutes. And then if it doesn't come back on, everybody needs to leave because that's like the safety protocols that everybody leaves. Sure. And... 
the power never came back on. So everybody left. And I remember counting all of the money that was walking out the door. <laughs> all of it. And I was like, you aren't even people. Like, I was ready to go back because I was on the way back to the lap dance area to oh, okay. to give a dance when the power went out. And I was like, fuck it. Let's just go back there anyways. Like, whatever. It's dark. Like, we have, like, flashlights or, you know, there's, like, the emergency lights sure, that are sure, on or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I, I want this, like, $50 that you're going to give me. So we're going to go back and dance in the dark. Yeah. Which, I mean, looking back, it's probably pretty dangerous. But I did. I started looking at people as dollar signs. Yeah. And I feel like that kind of bled into my life. Plus, I, like, mm. there was this, like, latent underlying hatred for men which I mean like most of my friends are men and like I love men and I think they're great and they obviously offer a lot to the world and like to people and to us as women but because of all of the shit that I had seen in the club and like all the entitlement like there was definitely this like underlying idea of like all men are actually kind of shitty yeah so so because of all of those I, I don't actually know if I'd go back yeah yeah did it take a while to shift back into there are men who are safe, who aren't entitled, who do have good intentions, can yeah. be very respectful. Yeah, it did. And I mean, like at the time, like while I was doing it, I was dating like not all of them, but there were some pretty shitty men in my life at the time, too. Sure. So like like that didn't help. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, because it's I mean, it's interesting, right? When you have a theory about people or the world, mm-hmm. like you tend to find things to substantiate yeah. it. And so it makes yeah. sense that. Well, and even with, you know, even with my guy friends, it would just be like, okay, but what is your real intention? You know, you just start like really questioning everybody and like Mm, what they're about when you see, when you see that much sleaze like on a regular basis. So, I mean, I might go back like once or twice for like a guest appearance. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah. Just like, it's been like a, yeah, just like a party night where you're like, this is what I feel like doing and I'm going to make money. Right. Yeah. And I, I miss, I mean, that's really like the biggest thing when I do think about going back is the money. Cause I mean, you can work one night, you can make a thousand dollars. Even if you work one night, make $500, like it's still a lot of it's money. so nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so nice. <laughs> oh, so challenging. Um, well, you've been wonderful. Thank you for sharing and, and coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's this. fun. Yeah. Yay. Relive all the glory days. I know. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You did come on with me. I was trying to like bookend it. Yeah, yeah. We are great. We are. Um, thank you, Kalani, for coming on. I hope everybody enjoyed that. I thought that was fascinating and wonderful. And yeah, I did learn a lot. I mean, yeah, the world is so interesting, and and I think her takeaways were really fascinating too, and just the journey that she went on. Such an interesting and. And uh, different under—I don't want to say underworld, but like it's just different space. It is a different space. Yeah, yeah, it's like you cut through the bullshit, and it's like this person has money, and this person wants this thing, and that's yeah. what it is. And yeah, and I think that that's a lot of our interactions. We just don't talk about it. For sure, you know, like in the dark, it's easier. Yeah, you just <laughs> remove the uh, extra. Yeah, 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 all of extra bullshit. Yeah. Um, well, as usual, please follow us on all social media platforms at. Finding My Yum podcast. Email us at findingmyyum at gmail.com. Subscribe to us. Rate us five stars. Send us an email. Um, we are always looking for new guests, and we've got some cool lined up, but we want more, 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 always more. Always more. Always more. Share with a friend. Yeah. Ten. Bye. <laughs>